0: Hello, and welcome to the Psychic Wave Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Sanishin. My guest today is John Lares, owner and founder of Cielo Agency, a boutique booking agency for musicians. I was put in contact with John by my friend Tiff, who has recently started working with him. We talked a lot about the music industry and what it takes to push your band beyond playing in your garage and shitty backyard shows, where the payout, if you're lucky, is a case of shitty beer. Now, there's nothing wrong with getting your chops up in those environments, but it takes hard work and dedication if you want to start making a living as a musician. Whether you got into playing music for the love of the craft or simply to pick up chicks, (laughs) you're going to need money to keep it up. That's where CLO Agency comes in. John Lares explains how and why he created CLO Agency, how to be a successful touring band, recaps his time playing festivals in China, and much more. Do you guys uh, you feel that chill in the air? That bite? <laughs> I can't tell you how fucking excited I am for the weather to start finally cooling down. Uh, I much prefer bundling up because of the cold to sweating my ass off in the summer. All my favorite jackets will finally be put to use, and hopefully we'll get some rain. California could really use some rain right now. I actually had to uh, turn on the heater when I opened up the office today. It's a simple and stupid thing, but turning on that heater instead of turning on the air conditioning made my day a thousand times better. I'm ready for the gloomy weather. Bring on the cold hands, freshly baked cookies, and nights spent under three layers of blankets watching Netflix. Fall and winter are, hands down, my favorite seasons. Fuck summer, honestly. Summer hasn't been fun since I was in school. Summer, as an adult, just means a higher electric bill and a higher chance of road rage. I don't don't even want to think about it anymore. And uh, thank goodness I don't have to, because it's cooling down. (laughs) Now, a big goal of mine has been to finally reach 100 podcast episodes. And that day is actually coming up pretty damn fast. This whole podcasting thing uh, still seems brand new to me, and in that way, it's still extremely exciting. Talking with new guests every week, hearing their stories, and getting to pick their brains has really opened me up and changed the way I think about almost everything. Maybe I'm feeling extra reflective and uh, nostalgic because Thanksgiving's this week. Uh, I'm I'm not really sure. But what I do know is I've met some really amazing people due to this podcast. I want to thank everyone who has taken time out of their busy lives to listen to what my guests and I have to say. Uh, You know, sometimes it's not always easy to get these podcasts up as consistently as I'd like, but it's always worth it to me. So thank you, everyone who listens, and uh, thank you for letting me experiment and grow with this podcast. I truly appreciate it. As some of you know, Psychic Wave is a band, podcast, and screen printing company. I've been fortunate enough to make my work something I enjoy, but at times, keeping this going means a lot of late nights and working on the weekends. This weekend was one of those weekends. I spent more time than I like at my office, which is... well. What that means is that I'm uh, away from my bed, my dog, and almost never seeing the sun. However, I did have something to look forward to on Sunday night. I was invited to a Friendsgiving. You know what a Friendsgiving is. We had all the booze we needed, great food, friends, and board games. Uh, I never thought I'd enjoy playing board games so damn much, but I I really do. We played a series of games that would be classified as uh, suspicion board games, where you have to figure out, through drunken conversation, half-truths, and lies, who the culprit is. Mm-hmm-hmm. Now, I don't know why calling your friends liars is so much fun, but it is. <laughs> anyway, my point is that I'm beyond grateful to have such silly, wonderful people in my life. I think oftentimes we take life much too seriously and forget to cherish the small moments that make it all worth it. I'm definitely guilty of that, but I'm trying to change. This week, try and focus on the good instead of the bad. There's a lot of crazy shit happening in the world right now, and if we take for granted all the beauty around us, we're surely fucked. Tell the people you love how you feel about them, and spend some time laughing with your friends. You won't regret it. All right, I'll stop chatting your ear off and getting sentimental now. Here is my conversation with the incredibly insightful John Lares, owner and founder of Cielo Agency.
1: Hey, what's up? What's up, man? How's it going?
0: Good. Thanks for uh, coming on the podcast.
1: Yeah, glad to be here.
0: We've got um, Tiff with us. She uh, set this up for me and you. And um, why don't you just really quickly
1: introduce yourself and uh, what you do. Cool. Uh, my name is John Lars. I founded Cielo Talent Agency, a small booking agency based here in Orange County. And I work with a number of local bands um, kind of kickstarting their career and moving forward in the direction of helping them fulfill their, you know, helping them realize their dreams, basically. So when you say, like, helping kickstart a band's,
0: uh, career, what do you, what do you do to make that happen? Like,
1: uh, what are they missing? You know? Yeah. Um, usually when I, you know, ask them, like, do you have, like, do you have a band bank account? You know, do you collect your funds from various, you know, revenue sources and put that in one thing? And do you have a plan to kind of like make making and performing music your full-time career
0: and i'm guessing most bands don't have that no (laughs) yeah most bands get into it just because they like to you know play music and performing's fun yeah but uh most bands i would say are constantly losing money yeah so you help out with getting them to make some money
1: yeah or at least realize um that, this is gonna take some time, to, <laughs> yeah, you know yeah, to work out.
0: You're not gonna be a star overnight, yeah, cool, so you did this um, if I am remembering correctly, you started it in two thousand and fifteen, and at the time you were going to Cal
1: Poly Pomona, yeah, okay, yeah. so I started it as you know, when I went into Cal Poly, I wasn't planning on being a booking agent or like starting this, you know, I went to college to produce music. Um, I started DJing when I was 12. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. So like in sixth grade, I was DJing well, like top 40. How'd you get into that? Uh, my older, I had two older cousins that were DJing house music like in early 2000s. Was that, um, was that vinyl
0: or were there CDJs? They were then? using
1: the first Pioneer CDJ that came out and like the first, I guess, nicer professional looking one, like the 800. Right. Yeah. Um so they would use, you know, I would go into their, when I'd visit my aunts, you know, go to their house and see them with like four CDJs and, yeah. you know, new mixer and it was pretty cool. That Beat. stuff's
0: fun. I, I got into it l- around 16 because my cousin was doing it and um, it's just so fun. Yeah. And that re- like when you get into DJing, you also get into like sp- half your life is just listening to new music. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so you went to Cal Poly Pomona to, um, uh, like, produce music, yeah, or basically yeah,
1: basically. I decided that to advance as a DJ, you had to produce. And oh, so yeah, I had to learn, you know, scales and you know, how to play an instrument and produce <laughs> yeah. and like understand theory and structure. So, I applied and I got accepted somehow into the music department before nice. they started auditioning people. <laughs> you know, That's good. So, it's funny going in an orientation, they were like, you know, so they put us in the classroom and they're like, you know, so we're gonna go down and we're going to ask you guys what instruments you play, you Mm -hmm. know? And so they come to me and they're like, oh, what instrument do you play? I'm like, oh, um, turntables. Yeah. And then, you know, this is like the department chair. She starts laughing. She's like, oh, that's funny. Um, (laughs) no, seriously. Like what instrument do you play? And you're like, uh, Uh, piano. Okay, good Good call. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's like, all right. Yeah.
0: I was, I would go with that if I (laughs) didn't know how to play. Um, so what, like, uh, What sparked the switch? Why'd you start CLO
1: Agency? Um, A professor told me that I shouldn't produce music. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously? Did he do it in a nice way or in a no? No. I was auditioning for an ensemble, and she's like, "Nah, you shouldn't." Wow. You know. Well, maybe, uh, maybe that was a good thing. It was a collective thing. I think I felt also felt like Mm -hmm. I shouldn't like you know compared to the number of years that these other students were playing instruments. I felt a little you know discouraged. Right. She kind of encouraged me to pursue business, you know, music business.
0: Well, there's nothing wrong with trying something out. Yeah. And uh you did that and now it moved you towards figuring out something else. Yeah. And you're doing that and you've got um a few bands that you work um not exclusively with, but uh you work with them very often. Yeah. What would you go, do, are they like a, on like your roster or how do you how would you say that?
1: Yeah, so yeah. I, I am. Um, it is somewhat exclusive as far as like um, being cool. an exclusive booking agent. Most agencies require exclusivity, mm-hmm. um, unless you're just a promoter. Really, you're just helping right. bands, you know, here and there. Um, but I do try and um, you know work out an annual or like a two three year plan with them mm-hmm. and seeing how they can advance as far as performing and touring. Cool. You know, so I do. We do work, it's, some bands it's official, some bands unofficial, you know, more like a handshake. Other ones are, <laughs> right. well, you know, terms and conditions are explained and, you know, we all sign and things like that. But it's pretty, it's pretty friendly. It's pretty straightforward. It's not a, you know, nothing, no crazy, like you can't get out of this contract. It's really, right, just, yeah. really just, we're here to be as, I and I try to, to explain my role as just another team member. You yeah. Know, anyone in the team, in the band can send PR emails, can do any of these other things, handle the, you know, marketing or press or anything like that it's just you're asking somebody else to do your booking right you're not managing their whole band
0: you're uh delegating and giving them uh a plan and just helping them work through it yeah cool so what was the um the first band that you worked with as cielo
1: the first band was moon ensemble okay
0: very cool yeah what was that like starting out with uh, your first band
1: it was challenging. You know, it was my first band. I admitted that they were my first band. And so at first it was kind of like, okay, well, we'll just kind of see, play this by ear and see how this works out. Yeah. You know, if, if we want to work with you a little more permanently down the line, then we can do that. But for now we just kind of play by ear. Yeah. And uh, you know, for me starting this, it was challenging not getting any responses from venues or promoters or other bands. Cause it yeah. was like, I don't, know who you are that's kind of the
0: most discouraging thing is when you're starting out you have no connections nobody gives you the time of day right at all but um you know after a while being in the scene or you know doing one or two good shows word gets around if you're reliable responsible and enjoy what you're doing most of the time people remember you and like come back um so you you book tours and stuff for bands yeah right yeah what was the uh the first tour you booked
1: hmm the first i was working on two tours at the same time actually okay when i started (laughs) booking nice it was like both of them were south by southwest tours i think it was 2017 yeah 2000 january to april 2017 were my first two major major actual like 20 30 day tours wow nice Um,
0: those artists were
1: Emily Afton and Travis Hayes.
0: Did you uh, go on tour with them or were you managing from sidelines?
1: I spent most of November, December, and January booking that tour. and It started in March, mm-hmm. early March, and I went on tour with Emily Afton. They both had like a somewhat similar route. Um, okay.
0: Oh, they were touring the, at yeah, the same time yeah, because the, they are both going through to South yeah, by Southwest? Yeah, they were okay. both
1: going to South by Southwest, so they both... They had different routes but they both landed in Austin around, you know, the exact same time.
0: Nice. Yeah, I mean, I just got back from my first tour and it was uh it's really fucking hard sometimes. Yeah. And uh it seems to me like anybody that wants to go on tour, I think they understand that it's going to be hard, but they don't understand like the day-to-day money issues or not even issues, but you just there's stuff that comes up that you don't think about. Like when we were on the East Coast, there were toll roads like everywhere. You had to take a toll road. That was like the freeway. And we were spending 40 bucks every day going in and out of New York. And it's just stuff like that that you don't know about until you do it. And um, we, we did all right. We did all right. But I think that having, you know, an agency or somebody that can kind of give you at least a plan or a heads up of, what stuff's gonna happen what it's gonna be like have your day planned out a little bit more that kind of stuff is it makes the stress level of each band member go down by like (laughs) a thousand
1: percent yeah yeah itineraries i build around just like a getting to a venue or a show a few hours before and Mm -hmm. when they need to leave by and just sticking to that yeah you know usually you just cut out a, a little bit of stress of making the show right um but as far as expenses go yeah you know you. Uh <laughs> one of the formulas like easy like rule of thumb for mileage or gas would be two hundred fifty bucks every thousand miles. Mm. So every you know, if you're gonna play on the West Coast, you usually it's like three, four thousand miles. That's gonna be about seven fifty to a thousand dollars. And yeah. just, you know, considering that you don't get paid until you play the show, you know. So you have to kind of have a little bit of money to advance for costs like that.
0: Yeah. And uh I know a lot of bands that kind of just go and they don't realize that or they, they expect that they're going to get paid when they get somewhere and then something happens and they don't get paid <laughs> and now they're yeah. in the middle of nowhere with no money. And um, it takes a lot of of learning. But how did you learn all this?
1: Um, I guess you just learn by doing. Yeah. But I w- to start, I was pretty fixated on not failing and thinking of every possible thing that could go wrong. You're a planner
0: by nature then. (laughs) You just like plan everything. Yeah. Well, that's good. I mean, that's a good position for you to be in. Um, Most bands, I'm going to generalize here, but don't think ahead of like what they're going to do the next three hours. They're just, uh, and those bands are probably the ones that aren't going to make it unless they get some good direction, but you've got to, Want it and plan for it to make yeah. anything these days because there's so many bands out there, like, there's a band starting up every second, I'm sure, you know, like kids in their garage. But if you want to make it, you've kind of got to plan and put money into it and think about it as, I guess, a career, yeah,
1: yeah. That's part of the process of just meeting bands is just seeing like. If you're more concerned about what we can do together in the next three months versus three years, your yeah your sight, like what's gonna you know, what's gonna happen in that amount of time is I don't know, <laughs> jaded. Like yeah, you know.
0: I always I think about it like uh when I was eighteen or nineteen, I could not even see myself at twenty five. Right. I was like, what the fuck what's that going to be like? I have no idea. Also didn't have much life experience. But now I'm like I could see what's going to happen when I'm 30. I could like I could see the path that I'm on, what I want, how to get it. But with no life experience, it's, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Yeah. It's so weird.
1: I still feel like I don't know what the what the hell's going to happen when I'm 30, like <laughs> where I'm going to be.
0: Well, at least you have um something that you're working on you know what I mean when I was 18 I had nothing going on at all I think I was at that time just trying to move out of my parents house with my girlfriend and yeah get an apartment and once we did that it was like you know when are we gonna pick up weed (laughs) like that was the only (laughs) thing what movie are we gonna watch tonight and so I wasn't looking ahead at all and uh that was one of the reasons why I started the podcast because I needed like something to work on something to have on the schedule. And I don't know. I I think like freaking out was a major part of why I started this. Like I was worried about like, what the fuck am I going to do? So when your, your teacher or whoever was said, uh, don't make music, did you move into like the booking and, uh, creating CLO agency as like out of necessity or was it something in the back of your mind that you always thought you could do
1: yeah it was it was i would say out of necessity i yeah. mean, you know my family doesn't really see music as like a solid career option even though now i'm like you know this is what i do i manage artists like tour etc yeah they're just like oh so how much money did you make this year and compared to yeah cousin a or b or sibling a or b that's you know Of course. Making a lot of money.
0: I was just um, talking to one of my family members and I, you know, I was telling them like, oh, I can't make that. I got, I got a podcast that I'm doing something next week and they're like, well, just cancel it. And I'm like, well, it's like with somebody important where, you know, everyone is important. This is part of what I do. And she's like, but you're not making money and, you know, you're just talking, you're just having fun. I was like, but this is how I do make money. People come in here and it's like, this is what I do. This is how I make money, like full time now. And anything related to music, I don't think parents or family members are really ever going to understand for good reason because most bands don't make money. Most people in the music industry don't make money. It seems like... a. Nice dream to be a rock star or something like that, but
1: yeah, or don't make enough money. I think like you had to (laughs) set a boundary to where, or like not a boundary, but like a a goal at least. Like, would you be chill by the time you're 28 if you made $25,000 that year Mm -hmm. just making music after all your expenses,
0: which is pretty damn good, yeah. I mean, pretty solid for somebody, um, making music as their job, like no other job. Or I it's mean you good. guys
1: see it as a business because it'd be four people, you know, yeah. traditionally. Yeah. So if you were to tell your parents like, hey, my business made a hundred thousand dollars this year and my takeaway was twenty five, I think maybe they would see it a little bit differently. Yeah. But exactly. that means you would have to see it like that first and explain it to whoever, right. you know.
0: Yeah, and it, most people in bands, they don't they don't like talking about money. It's a I right. mean, nobody really likes talking about money. It's a tough situation. Most fights and relationships are always about money and it's just it's a tricky thing because i don't think a lot of people know how to be good with money
1: yeah it comes down to uh transparency though i think when that's true money is not transparent then people tend to just glide towards being you know assuming the worst
0: yeah that's true i have um a friend that i talked with yesterday and he was telling me he's like yeah dude my my dad is just he was like railing me about you know how it's time to give up this stupid dream of being in a band and i was like what i mean i get it but it's it just seemed so sad to me and it was sad and he was telling him he was telling me that it you know it's been keeping him up at night and the older we get the more we're like is this thing gonna work out yeah (laughs) i think the older we get the more we uh Need people like you to come around and give us a plan or at least help us
1: do, uh, have structure to what we want, you know? Yeah, I think it comes down to that to answer that question of doubt is purpose. You know, if if your purpose is to share art with a community, then it doesn't matter how old you are, you know, yeah. you're still making music and sharing your art. But like I said, you do have to set like how much money do I expect to make out of this and am I okay with that living or lifestyle? Mm hmm. Or do I need to do this and do something else? Maybe that other job can help or, you know, help to help you
0: sustain sustain the music music career. Exactly. I think that a lot of people get into playing music because they do it with friends when they're young. And then, you know, they stick with it and the bar scene is kind of fun. And then that's as far as they think. They're like, I'm having fun right now. But then all of a sudden, somebody has a kid, somebody gets married, <laughs> yeah. somebody uh, loses their day job, and then the band breaks up. And I think it just stops right there for most people. But if you've got a plan, at least you have... Usually if you have a plan, there's always a backup plan too. Yeah. So you've got you know something to work with when shit kind of hits the fan. But honestly, I don't think most bands want to even think about that they don't even want to think about the possibility of failing they're just like i'm having fun right now why am i gonna yeah
1: that's the biggest fear that's failing
0: yeah and i know a lot of people in the music industry who are great musicians who are super insecure and just (laughs) barely holding on you know that have like really great talent that if they just had a little bit of structure or put money into it because it is their career, I think they would, you know, make a lot more money.
1: Yeah. It's just sticking with it. I think if you've been going at it. Just being serious. Yeah. Uh,
0: But bands aren't serious. Not a lot of the time. And a lot of bands want you to wipe their ass. (laughs) It's just, it's true though. It's like, you know, being in a band does not inherently make you special. It doesn't inherently make you cool. It doesn't. It doesn't. That that whole thing wears off so fast. If you like if you're in a good band, you could still be an asshole and never make it anywhere. But then the opposite's true. A lot of assholes make it in the music industry. Such a jaded and they're, muddy they're
1: assholes with a plan assholes with a plan <laughs> that should
0: be your your tagline cielo agency assholes with a plan
1: <laughs> some people wouldn't wouldn't oppose that
0: <laughs> as long as you uh as long as you got a plan right yeah yeah i don't know it's it's hard because <laughs> tiff, tiff's over here still cracking up for those listening we have uh tiff She's been on a bunch of times. If you've listened, you know who she is. But she was telling me today, she was like, man, my job just gets so hard sometimes. <laughs> Dealing with bands bullshit. It's true, though. It's so hard, but it, it happens. We make it happen. There's there's nothing wrong with the... Uh, we're not calling anybody out specifically, no, but, no, but lots of bands... It's just, it's just a hard... It's a hard... End of the day, it's a hard job. Yeah. And I've, I don't know if you guys can hear me. They can barely hear you. But she's saying that, you know, at the end of the day, booking is a really, really hard job. So now you're you're at the Continental Room with Tiff as well. Yeah. I just working him
1: a few weeks ago. Yeah.
0: How's that going? Working with uh Tiff over here. She's a handful, I, huh? It's
1: dope. No, I think it's great. Honestly. <laughs> it's, great. it's I'm serious too. It's it's great. It's a great experience. I like I wanted to do the same thing from the from the other side, you mm-hmm. know, from the other perspective of the venue to get a different you know perspective overall, and it's working.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. So you're you were doing it from the outside, booking bands at a venue, and now you're also doing that on the receiving end. You are the venue in a way, and yeah. learning from that side—that's good.
1: Because I, you know, I started thinking when I first started booking was like, okay. I don't want to make the venue's lives harder. That's how you don't get emailed back. and Oh, yeah. Like that. You want to serve them a show on a silver platter. Mm-hmm. And They're like, oh, all I have to do is approve and then put it on Facebook. So let's do it. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's like it makes sense and they're familiar with the lineup and they, they're excited about it. Um, so now I'm just looking for... Well, actually, I w- didn't even, like, apply. Tiffany hit me up. She's like, hey, do you want to... I need help. I with need this help, thing. dude. <laughs> I'm like, I need help. Like, I... I I just got back from China. I'm like, dude, I'm, I need this. So, yeah. You were in so, China? Yeah, I was in China for six weeks. What were you doing? I was playing a music festival with Moon Ensemble. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. So we landed that gig. That was crazy.
0: Wow. Wait, you were playing a music festival, but you were there for six weeks?
1: It was like, yeah, 45 days. So it's like the OC fair. Oh, okay. Wow. But on a much larger Spectrum. Who
0: was fucking t- wait? Who somebody was telling me about this or something like this recently? Yeah, there's like a. Oh, maybe it was Glenn uh, from Iris when we were on tour. Oh yeah, yeah. He, she's, she's he went over to Japan and did met, a similar thing. No, I met. Did you talk to the children? No. Anyway, but that's that, that's <laughs> a cool gig. So yeah. like the same venue, but like they yeah. they do like a a festival sort of thing. It's
1: it's a beer festival. so Love it. You know, rides for kids, <laughs> beer tents. I don't see, like, if somebody
0: told me, hey, so we have this opportunity to go play a beer festival in China for 45 days, I'd be like, yeah, let's go.
1: <laughs> it was a no-brainer for me, but yeah. I had to, you know, sell that to the bands. Of and, course. And, like, there, I think when, it's, when you're doubting the real the reality of that mm-hmm. opportunity, fear sets in, and it's just like I don't know if we can do that. Right, now I got all these obligations here at home, but ultimately we obviously took that opportunity. It was nice. Sort of, again, was amazing. it hard
0: to convince the band, or were they kind of like all for it?
1: It wasn't hard to convince them, but just getting the information from the source was difficult.
0: Right. Was there uh, a language barrier, or did they have somebody that could? No,
1: they were. They spoke English. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Once we were there, there was language barrier, but yeah. you know, getting the gig, nah, it was easy.
0: Yeah. So what was it like spending 45 days there or like about 45 days? Is that what you said?
1: Yeah. July fifteen to August 26th.
0: Okay. So you guys did, um, well, yeah, you obviously stayed in a hotel or did you like find an Airbnb
1: or a yeah, homies the fe- place? The fe- yeah. In China. No, the festival <laughs> put us up at a hotel the whole time. Awesome. Wow. This sounds like a great gig. Yeah, just get bus to and from the festival from the hotel. And, wow. Play um, play three thirty minute sets six six days a week. Wow. For six weeks.
0: It's gonna make a band tight for sure. I mean I'm I'm sure they're already tight, but you know, playing three times a day will make you really tight. Yeah. Cool. So had any of you guys been to China before?
1: I went to China when I was younger for okay. like ten days or something, but for what? Just a vacation. Wow. Yeah. Well, it was like a church group that like organized this, you know, special thing and got like... (laughs) They're like, let's go to China, dude. (laughs) Yeah. It was was like, we could get 40 people from the church to pay like 500 or like 700 bucks. We can get all of this stuff in China. I was like, okay.
0: Wow. That's awesome. I feel like traveling is one of the best parts about being in a band. Yeah. And I think it's one of the best parts about being a human, like the more new places you go to, I feel like they say the world gets smaller. Like you, you, you say you go to Mm. another place and you you feel more connected and everything seems closer. But truthfully for me traveling, I feel like the world gets bigger. Like the, the more new places I go to, the more I realize there's tons of opportunity out there just to do anything. Yeah, Like there's people out there that want music, art, culture all the time. And I don't know, I think the more traveling you do i I hope it makes you a better person if you 're not a complete dumbass. I
1: know? Think, no hundred percent I think it does. I think it does make you because you it gives you perspective and you don't seem so one sided you would you know maybe ask yourself, what if the same thing that i'm upset about probably politics you know? <laughs> yeah. It's like what would these countries think you know, I know there, I've yeah. talked to people there you know
0: I had a friend um in high school who had family in China and his dad was like really well connected in China but he was saying like the politics up there were super weird at that time I don't know if they still are they kind of still are yeah and uh he was talking to me he's like I don't even focus on American politics I don't know if he was a full citizen I think he was just going there for school but he was saying American politics are easy politics Mm -hmm. in China not so much yeah and uh yeah, it just makes you think of the world as, you know, it's first world problems. America yeah. gets everything. My, I don't know. I feel like every day I meet somebody who's like, oh, somebody cut me off in traffic today. I'm like, oh, well, people are being like beheaded right. <laughs> like down south. Yeah. So like you can relax a little yeah. bit, you know. But without traveling, none of that's really put into perspective. You're just in your little bubble.
1: Yeah. Well, you start, I think when I started, I've traveled quite a bit. I think I realize more now that actions of other countries that maybe our politics name drop, when you go to those countries, you don't see the countries as you see their government. You can clearly see that there's a clear division Mm -hmm. in most countries between what the citizens think and want and what the government gives them. Right. So I don't think of like, oh, this is Brazil. And because Brazil's government's like this, all Brazilians are like this. Right. You know what I mean? And so maybe, I don't know if, I don't think everyone thinks like that, but maybe some people do.
0: I think some people do for sure. I know when I think, I mean, even I sometimes think like that as far as Americans are concerned. Like when I see the government and things that they're doing, sometimes I'm like, but you know, our government is kind of the people. We we elect these people. And so I do see at least our country sometimes as a direct result of our yeah. government, but When you get in closer and you talk to people one on one, you realize that person's not, you know, thinking the same way the government is, or the same way the current state of the government is. Yeah. So how how did uh, people respond to um, Moon Ensemble? They liked it. They liked
1: it. Yeah. The first funny. The first three weeks we weren't Moon Ensemble. The first three weeks was uh, three of us. AJ and Brandon were working Warp Tour. Okay. And so they went to the whole thing, and Warp Tour ended. Three weeks after this festival started, so Gil from mm. Gil, the new bassist from, he's also lead singer of Children, um, and Mike, the drummer, and myself, we had to come up with new music, new covers, oh wow, and, and some of Gil's originals, and like arrange that within a few weeks of the festival. That's a tough gig. That's hard to do. Yeah, it was. It was pretty. And not only that, you know, when you arrive. There was a language barrier between us and the sound guy mm-hmm. and, and the production manager and things like that. And we needed a translator. And so when you're performing and you're running into technical issues, it's difficult. You know, maybe with the sound guy, you can say through the mic, like, hey, there's a feedback in you, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But we're saying that on stage and yeah. nothing is being received.
0: He's like, yeah, you guys sound good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or he's just like, I don't, I don't know what you're saying to me right now. Yeah. Just, um, yeah, so when you are when you were on stage and stuff like that would happen, did you kind of just go with it, or did you figure out a way uh, to kind of communicate it? Like, was it the same sound guy every day?
1: Yes and no. Sometimes they just show up with, like, a different person, and now <laughs> you're like, great, you know? Yeah. But even when it was the same sound guy, there was always new problems that showed up, yeah. and he sometimes you knew how to, like, handle it right away. Other times, not really. Yeah. You know, so... Like once, one set. There's a lot of sets, so <laughs> yeah. Like one out of the hundred sets, yeah. You know, uh my keyboard just wasn't. There was no sound at all for mm. like half the set. Weird. You know, like the, I don't know if he muted my keyboard or what. Yeah, but he's like, this guy sucks. Was, Mute. Yeah, Mute. <laughs> pretty just probably. Kidding. He's like, I don't want to hear this. No, I was straight <laughs> up like, that was straight up electric guitar and drums the whole time, and I'm just like. Huh. Still playing the notes, like, just yeah. in case it comes, it comes back, back like, oh, you know, I'm good, but huh? I was like, I remember I was like, damn, I feel like Calvin Harris right now, like, I'm like, I know, DJing, like, pretending, just like, <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm pretending to play keys right now, like, that's one of the like, main reasons why
0: I got out of DJing, was because I felt, like, phony in a way, I was like, I'm playing other people's music, I right. want to, like, do my own, and so I stopped doing DJing mostly because of that and because I was interested in playing music but yeah I get what you mean like you're just you know pushing all the right keys but nothing's happening on your keyboard would it come like on like halfway through the set no nothing it's so so weird
1: there were like two songs worked and then after on the third song
0: he's like yeah I don't like those first two songs you need to stop
1: I think like (laughs) Gil had like some feedback in his mic and was telling him like hey the mic is shocking me or something like that." yeah and um well, those are two separate issues, but yeah, the mic yeah. was shocking him, and um, so anyways, I think he pressed mute, thinking that was what we were asking, and Yeah, yeah, I had to go with that, I think as a perform that actually taught me more about performing than like watching a performance, maybe right. because it's, we had a pretty decent crowd, it was mm-hmm. like anywhere from 300 to 600, 700 people. Yeah, it's a good crowd. Um, and so I'm like, okay, am I going to stand here pissed off and just... like walk off stage and disappoint these 300 people or just go with it and just have them
0: instead you had 300 people going is he playing really quietly (laughs) no but yeah there's there's a performance aspect of pretty much every gig and um when you start playing music i think you start keying in on who has a really great performance and uh you even pick up on the vibe of each member in the band Mm -hmm. seeing if they're in a good mood or a bad mood and my favorite shows have always been the ones where i can tell the band is having the time of their life yeah maybe they're playing a little bit sloppier than they normally do but if they're having a great time so am i it's so important um so is it like was it a like an a not an arena but um (laughs) you know the setup the that they have um at the like yeah the orange county fair it was it's like stadium seating or what no, is it? No,
1: I wish. The the main stage I think had stadium seats, but it was basically a huge stage like a not a t- traditional festival stage because they didn't have truss or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It was metal sticks, but it was still pretty it was a nice stage. Um and then two sections divided in divided in half mm-hmm. with maybe 20 seats per row and like 30 rows. That's pretty good. Nice. You know, there was like white lawn chairs cool and so everyone was asked to ask to remain seated during Mm. the performance and Mm -hmm. then yeah no one could get up there was like a a 20 foot space between the stage and the first row of seats interesting and the only people allowed to go into the front was maybe photographers or anyone with credentials basically Mm.
0: did you find it to be a more like respectful crowd than like other places Yeah, Yeah. everyone.
1: You know, if they didn't want to listen to it or they were done listening, you know, they would just get up and leave. But Mm -hmm. everyone was clapping when you asked them to clap and like, yeah, clap now. (laughs) Song's done. Clap. (laughs) I mean, if you say thank you, and Uh, especially if you said in Mandarin, then they would applaud you. Yeah, I think if you attempted to speak Mandarin in in the middle of your performance, you got a lot better feedback. Yeah,
0: I'm sure. Man, Mandarin's so hard, right? I hear people speak Mandarin, and I'm like. I think if you give me 30 years, I still wouldn't know how to say hello. It's so hard. Like, my brother took it in high school, and I'm just like, dude, you sound like some vastly intelligent space alien from the future who just knows everything, and I'm just some dumb, like, roach on Earth. It's a crazy language for sure, but, uh, man. There was a lot of that at my high school too. Like, a lot of – we had international students that would come in Mm-hmm. and do stuff there and if you would, like were nice to them of course and tried to speak their language or say hello goodbye thanks that sort of thing you like were immediate friends it was just yeah. like oh you're making an effort right and uh especially when they know
1: you're american now you're an american that's making yeah. an effort to learn another country's language yeah
0: americans definitely do have a bad rap for like being uh hospitable and kind yeah (laughs) to like other cultures yeah i don't know why that is like culturally i I, well i guess it's that americans do go into a lot of countries and kind of fuck with their shit
1: yeah (laughs) but (laughs) i don't know i think other cultures express their hospitality a lot more they wear that on their sleeve yeah And i don't know if americans do or don't i I don't think they do i think if yeah i don't think they do if you invite someone into your home, you're going to be hospitable. But like out in public, I don't see too much hosp- like hospitality. I, I went to Russia recently mm-hmm. and I didn't see too many Americans there. I mean, it was for the World Cup. So yeah. you had a lot of Peruvians, a lot of Mexicans, a lot of actually Polish people. There was a lot of Polish people there, but everyone that was there was pretty... I didn't see any beef between countries yeah like, everything was all good you know It was very militarized as far as russia goes and sure you know guarding the stadiums and stuff but everyone else was pretty friendly so and i didn't see everyone's you know rocking their flag and their jersey and things like that but yeah it wasn't like any anyone no one felt like like a nationalist right you know where it's like now we're talking about our countries it was more just like soccer teams
0: that's definitely an am- i mean you go to a dodgers game and like people fight their own teammates, you know, like, um, but I went to, um, I guess it would be Western Europe when I was about 16 and, uh, I did the stupid tourist thing, you know, did a bunch of different countries and I had this little beanie that said, um, I still don't know if I'm saying it right, but I think it's spelled like clone, but you say clone. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But, um, I remember walking outside, late one night and people were like bar hopping and I, this guy was like chanting clone clone and he was like looking at me and i like didn't understand that he was talking to me because my beanie said it and then uh my dad goes that guy's talking to you and i went yeah <laughs> and the guy was just like so happy to just be next to somebody that was recognizing his uh his country or whatever yeah But nobody around him was like shouting another country at him like, no, your country sucks. It's this or city or wherever it is. Right. It was so like inclusive. Everybody was just out having a good time. And there was definitely a a greater sense of respect in Europe than I had felt in America. Yeah. I I mean, still like Americans, I think, just feel so entitled to like everything. Like, I deserve this. Yeah.
1: Even speaking Dutch, trying to speak Dutch to people in Netherlands, they're like, okay, do you speak Dutch or do you speak English? Because I could speak fluently in both. You can? No, the, you know, people in Dutch, in the Netherlands. Yeah. um, Because they'd see me coming and I kind of like butcher, you know, whatever I'm trying to say to them. Yeah. And They're like, bro, stop trying. Yeah. It was kind (laughs) of like that. They're like. I got you. I would say it in, I would say it in Dutch and they respond in English. Nice. And I'm like, okay. They're like, good try. Oh, man. Well, that's nice. I mean, I don't know what
0: it is, but maybe it's the the fact that lots of cultures are more... They're, they're a lot older. Like, America is such a new country. it's yeah. It was founded only, what, 300 years ago? Barely. And other countries, they've been around for thousands of years. <laughs> like, yeah. thousands of years. It's insane. But, I don't know. Definitely touring... I feel like as a touring band, you pick up a lot of um, really, uh, not respectful traits, but you you try to be more respectful everywhere you go. Yeah. Like if somebody lets you into their house and you're going to crash there, you know, you roll up the sleeping bag, you put it away. If you eat or if they feed you, you clean the dishes, that sort of thing. And that's something that a lot of people don't do even at their friends' houses, like in Orange County. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's like... I'll even have the podcast here and there's some people who, if we're going to have a podcast where we're drinking, they'll drink, they'll leave all their shit out, which I don't mind. You know, this is my spot. I'll clean up at the end of the day. But there's some bands that come in and they immediately grab the trash can. They throw everything in there and then they're like, oh, where's your trash? And they throw it outside and they leave the place looking like how it was when they came in. But that's rare. Yeah.
1: (laughs) That's probably the same. they probably act the same way at venues.
0: Yeah. You know? Yeah, the good ones and the bad ones. Exactly. There's, uh, there's a lot of bands that, especially touring bands, that really, uh, I don't know, I, it's like the cool punk thing to trash a venue, but is it cool anymore?
1: <laughs> um, I don't think it is. I think it just shows you're a dick. I don't know about trashing a venue, but... I do like to see when bands or performing artists have like a party on stage. Sure. You know, but then I guess, yeah, after they're done, like, it would be kind of weird to see a band like cleaning up all their shit after, you (laughs) know, like, you know, they walk off stage and everything and then they like (laughs) immediately come back on stage. (laughs) Yeah, they're like, sorry, sorry, sorry. (laughs) We'll pick up all our beers, things. Yeah, that's different. But I mean, like. Green rooms, like, yeah, if you're trashing green rooms, that's pretty fucked up. Yeah.
0: We were on tour. We were in a few really nice green rooms and it almost felt like walking into that green room. We made it dirty. We were like, oh man, we shouldn't be here. Like we're, this green room's too nice for us. They've got waters, dude. They've got water sitting out.
1: What was your favorite green room or favorite venue?
0: Um, probably the law. Oh no, wait, what was it called? Lost Lake in uh, Denver, Denver, Colorado. Yeah. And uh, I mean, the green room was simple, but it was more the party that we had in that green room Mm -hmm. was really, really fun. Um, I got some good video. There was just this part where like the band members were all showing each other what underwear they were wearing. (laughs) I don't know why. It was just like we were having such a good time and there was like free tequila and stuff. It was good. But the other venues, um, I would say other venues were nicer, though, because some venues, not nicer, but we were really hungry. Yeah, like we get a lot of drinks on the road, but when we were getting food from a venue, I was like, "Oh my god, oh my god!" Like I would, I would have sucked some dick <laughs> for a good meal, like <laughs> like for a good home cooked meal. Yeah,
1: Drew, amen. Yeah, yeah. How much whose dick do I got to suck around here to get some food? A I lot. had a opposite experience. One of the band <laughs> members <laughs> hooked up with a with a cougar at the at oh. the show, and she the next day gave us breakfast
0: that is amazing what, so what a nice like, cougar she was like well i'm cooking for my kids anyway i might as well make you breakfast nah, she, too <laughs>
1: she took us out dude she took us out oh, to a really? very fancy brunch place oh shit like, had like the best like chicken and waffles and other
0: that's awesome He's
1: like omelets but yeah i was i
0: love that it's creepy like if a guy was to do that like an older guy but you know if a older woman takes a bunch of young dudes out on the right. town, we're just like, let's get it. <laughs> let's fucking get lit. It's like, I, I mean, I, I don't know why that is, but I love it. Cougars are the best. I think that's what we've uh, gotten out of this whole podcast, right? <laughs> Cougars are the best. I'm a cougar. Okay. If you're a cougar, I just want to give you this message. Be respectful and responsible. We are tiny little boys who need to be taken care of. <laughs> Feed us, give us alcohol, and we'll give you that good dick and down, right? <laughs> Isn't that what they that's that's what it is? We'll make you feel twenty-two again. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. What's cougar. your take on that? I would be a cougar one day. Tiff um, is gonna be a cougar someday. Jesus. You gotta be rich, man. Do you have a plan? On it. Do you need an agent? I know a guy. <laughs> He's sitting right across from me. Your cougar retirement plan. Oh my god, that'd be great. The I think I have retirement a retirement Like uh, an agency that (laughs) helps women get rich so that they can just be cougars when they're older. Yeah. Hmm. We're on to something.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The agency. (laughs) (laughs) Assholes of the (laughs) planet. Oh my god.
0: We're at the end here, so I'm gonna ask you. Um. I have a new question that I don't normally ask people, but I did on the last podcast, and then I'll ask you the one that I ask everybody. So. The new question is. Tell me a band that you hate.
1: Oh, I can't do that. You I can't. can't do that. You I can't. can make it be a I big can't.
0: band. I cannot. As as like a uh, with an agency, I guess that's kind of dangerous, huh? One day you're gonna be working for Nickelback. You know they're I, gonna be like, "Well, guess what, dude? We heard what you said two years ago on the Psychic Wave podcast."
1: <laughs> <laughs> Would you uh, honestly? Would you? <laughs> no, no <I'm> <laughs> but i don't hate them like I, I don't really hate
0: it's not cool to hate nickelback anymore uh, yeah <laughs> that was so 2000 and late
1: <laughs> i can't say i hate a band i do roll my eyes at some what email. type of band would that be hmm um i guess it'd be the band i think it's all day of show stuff you know band shows up they everything over email and phone was like all good mm-hmm. and they show up they're like oh dude do you have a, a drum kit Like, I actually didn't bring a drum kit. I actually didn't bring sticks either. Mm. You know, can I... Do you guys have backline? Mm -hmm. And they're, like, assuming this. Then None of this was ever assumed. So I would just say bands that are unprepared. Unprepared. I don't hate them, though. Yeah. It's really just, like, really... Yeah. It's very
0: unprofessional to do that, though.
1: Yeah. But I don't know, man. And it's rude
0: because it puts puts the... If you want the show to go on, it puts the responsibility on you instead of them.
1: And and that's honestly why... I would say I'm taking a half step back from promoting shows mainly because I want to be focused on making sure the shows. I don't want to be the promoter. You know, I <laughs> yeah. don't want that role. It's I don't hard want job. That yeah. Confusion when people are like, "What are you? Are you a, are you a promoter? Are you yeah. a like a management, a PR? Like, what do you do?" You know, and it's hard to say like, "Oh, I'm a booking agency." When people don't really even know what that is, right? So I don't want market confusion but i do want to like still throw i still want to like curate the show i've done that and sure. like, i had the most fun with that but
0: yeah it's a lot of fun to do but it's not bad to know what you want right now which is being a booking agent and making your band's shows yeah. flawless every time yeah so nothing wrong said, with
1: that yeah so i think like assets and assets is really where i'm focusing on instead of booking lineups yeah higher so for listeners what what do assets mean assets would be a tour van um bass amp i got a ampeg fridge you know Mm -hmm. a nice head a drum kit and just having um
0: basically a production company in a way to where like you have all these things available and ready for the bands yeah. Um. Are you doing this for the bands? Like, if I mean, I'm sure one of the first things you do is set up a band bank account or have them do that. Yeah. And then after that, are you you and the band putting money into uh, having the band own their own equipment, or is this are you uh, the owner of like the uh, you know the nice amps and the heads and all the kits?
1: No, I think I th- the band bank account is however they want to use that fund. Mm-hmm. If they want to use that fund to buy their own. You know, studio equipment and touring equipment, the equipment that I buy, I, you know, use my own money for that and just, it's available if the band wants to use it or if they need to use it. Got it. You know, but the band fund really is for however they want to, if they want to buy their own van or if they want Mm -hmm. to build a studio or whatever they're trying to do with that money, that's, you know, that's on them.
0: Right. But that seems like that would come later. Like if you have, you know, a van and, uh, you know, equipment that maybe they need but don't have as a band that's starting out or just starting to get traction, you know, if somebody has a van available to do a tour that you can make money on, of right. course you're going to jump at the chance to do that. Right. And then you're going to make money and then be able to, you know, when you come back home, calculate what you've done, switch up your goals a little bit, and then go on from there. Yeah, exactly. So,
1: that's awesome, man. Yeah, because I think I the reason why I got like amps and equipment like that I think it's crucial that when a band shows up to a new you know making a first impression on a new audience a new venue mm-hmm. um even like an, a sound guy because the sound guy is barely seeing them for the first time and you showing up with professional equipment mm-hmm. even if there's only 50 or 100 people at your show you're using top-notch equipment you're people are getting what their money's worth for paying a 10 15 ticket
0: exactly I uh one of the things that I really don't like about shows sometimes are that you know band's equipment's fucking up yeah because it just it takes away from the show makes them look unprofessional makes them look like they can't afford nice equipment which makes me look like they're not invested in their own band you know in a
1: way and it's sub just a subconscious thing yeah or when they're trying to adjust things on the fly yeah you know it's usually for me what i always notice is a bassist turning around fucking with his mm-hmm. with his head you know with like trying to adjust eq settings and i think that's why their sound check there's that's why the loading is at <laughs> yeah. five o'clock and the show's at exactly. eight o'clock for you to do that then not grab a burrito and like <laughs> get high in the parking lot <laughs> you know and that's what you spend your three hour Dude, pre-show doing
0: but illegal Pete's <laughs> gives you free burritos for touring bands really so. That's actually funny because that's exactly what we did in Denver was <laughs> we, we got Illegal Pete's free burritos for a touring band and then they went across the street to go get weed and then we ate burritos and smoked weed in the parking lot Wow Did you run into any technical difficulties? That show? No. What, what was weird about that show is that the the band that came on after Iris had set up their kit in front of another kit and we were oh, yeah. we were backlining their kit so there was so little room on stage so one of the members was like not visible and couldn't like they knew the songs front to back like no brainers but it was just weird not like seeing one of the members Wait so he was playing a he was playing his kit behind another kit that was on stage already He was playing in front of okay. another kit but there was just it was an awkward stage setup and we didn't understand Like, why you wouldn't just set up your kit after? It was weird.
1: Some bands are really picky and want their stage footprint, like, on stage, and everyone else has to just fucking deal with it. I
0: get it. And they were the opening band, and we kind of just dealt with it, but it it was strange. It's a shitty situation. We didn't really have any technical difficulties on tour, except for one place that, like, you were... Any band would have technical difficulties there. Yeah. It was not a place where music should have been played. <laughs> <But>
1: <laughs> There's always one of those on tour.
0: But it was fun. Yeah. And uh, last question. Give me one band that we should be listening to. You can play favorites if you want. <laughs> or just tell us something you've been listening Actually, to lately.
1: New, new release. As sure. far as people that I work with, Indigo State just dropped a new EP last That's right. Friday. Um, five tracks. That seems like things that they wrote a while ago so now it's just coming on new i think me right now i'm listening to a lot of uh i got kind of hooked i just made a playlist of like the shit that's kind of been popular for a while just like latin indie pop Mm -hmm. and just like the marias and chicano batman but like that kind of i don't know just went down i just started with those two and went down a related artist tunnel and nice just I don't know. I listen to a lot of shit all day. Yeah, you know? me too. <laughs> I just, I go on venue calendars and if you want an activity to do to find new music, just go on a venue calendar and just for the next <laughs> month and look up the artists that are playing there and just see what they're, Yeah, you know, what's going on. You never know. On.
0: You're going to find some like really, really great bands on there too that, yeah. you know, will be with you for
1: the rest of your life. <laughs> always yeah. be on your playlists or always look at that because you never know when an artist from like Australia or France is coming through your town and you just totally missed it yeah and you weren't doing shit that day
0: that's happened to me way too many times I I've, I've felt like such a dick like or just an idiot yeah for doing that but uh yeah I agree totally well thanks for coming on the podcast thanks man I really appreciate it yeah. come back anytime Alright, you beautiful pieces of shit, that just about does it for this episode of the Psychic Wave Podcast with John Lares, owner and founder of CLO Agency. Thanks again, John, for coming by. Uh, it was really great talking with you, and um, I know we're going to get together soon and do some cool stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of fun, and um, I really appreciate you coming by the office and giving me an hour of your time. It uh, It means a lot, so thank you for coming by. All right, if you want to follow the Psychic Wave on Instagram, you are welcome to do that. It is at the Psychic Wave. If you want to stalk me on my personal account, figure out what kind of jelly I use in my peanut butter and jellies, you're welcome to do that. My personal account is at Andrew Sanishin. Sanishin is spelled S-A-N-Y-S-H-Y-N. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I'm doing another podcast tonight with Jay Benigno. Oh, yeah. That one's going to be really fun. Uh, That's happening tonight. It's Monday. And that one will be up for you soon. Uh, I'm going to get you the Vertigo Volumes podcast on uh, Thursday. So expect that podcast to come out on Thursday. And, uh, oh, wait, is Thursday Thanksgiving? Hmm, maybe I'll have to uh, switch it, maybe put it out on Wednesday or Friday. Either way, I hope that you guys all enjoy your Thanksgiving, if you celebrate Thanksgiving. Uh, I don't know why you wouldn't. Is that a religious holiday? No? I have no idea. But either way, eat some good food this week, tell everyone that you love them, and uh, spend some time with your friends. (laughs) All right. Take care.